Amen. Hallelujah. Look somebody next to you and say, he's been better to me than I've ever been to myself. How many believe that? Amen. I am excited tonight. I let y'all know a little earlier that we had a special guest coming through. Amen. And uh, I know he's a favorite to many here. And I know that uh, we're always excited when Pastor Chris and First Lady Kalandra come through with their, with their military force. Amen. They take up the whole aisle. And so if you all would stand tonight, just in case someone doesn't know you, the Gregory family, let's give them a big hand tonight. Beautiful, wonderful family. Amen. We're so glad you're here. They were passing through. He uh, was preaching for, he, I won't take anything away from him, but he's preaching for a good friend of his in Austin, and they were driving through. And so, you know, I can't let them drive through without coming through the pulpit. Amen. So I'm so glad he's here. You know, he's, he's, like, he's my brother from a different mother. Amen. I love Pastor Chris. Me and him have just always had a great friendship and relationship. And uh, we've been having a good time the last couple of days. They've been passing through. So I know he's got a word for me. I don't know about you, but he's got a word for me tonight. Amen. How many came to receive a word for you tonight? Amen. Let's give Pastor Chris a big Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas welcome tonight. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be here tonight. Hey, man, I feel I feel a little shorter up here behind this pulpit. <laughs> Pastor Blake, so tall, they stand up. What do y'all do when Pastor Marshall come through and preach? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I hear you. It's a blessing to be here tonight. Thank you. And uh, as Pastor Blake said, uh, we are indeed uh, like brothers. I don't consider him as just a fellow pastor or a friend, but it's more of a brother relationship, and I consider him as a big brother. He's blazing a path, and what you're doing here in Denton, Texas, is setting the standard for the fellowship and how we do business, and so we're just grateful to be a part of what God is doing. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the opportunity to minister. Of course, uh, First Lady Carla, always good to see you, and the whole Denton family. It's a blessing to be here. If you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. We were down in Austin, Texas this last weekend. I had the opportunity to minister for the pastor that I got saved under back in 1995 and I shared with the people down in Austin a message it's worth the trouble it's worth the trouble I remember when he started uh, that gospel service there on base in Albuquerque New Mexico a lot of trouble getting that service started but I want you to know tonight that when you set your heart to serve God uh, you're gonna have trouble you, this, your scriptures tell you that in this life you will have tribulation but it doesn't stop there how many glad it don't stop there he says but be of good cheer I have overcome the world amen and so I'm glad tonight that the trouble that we go through serving God is worth the trouble because he says if we suffer with him we shall also reign with him 
Amen. And so uh, I want to share just a message with you tonight. Produced with purpose. You have been produced with purpose. And Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If somebody had told me 19 years ago when I walked into Pastor Ross's church there on Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico that I'd be coming back through 19 years later with my lovely wife who's here tonight, six kids and one on the way. Did y'all know we had one on the way? We got one on, was I supposed to tell that? Oh, okay. We got one on the way, so we got, we'll have seven. Somebody had told me 19 years ago that I'd be walking into somebody's church with a wife and seven kids to preach. I'd have said, you crazy. You're crazy. But when you have been produced with purpose, it is an amazing thing where God will take you. And that scripture that God gave us when we was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we were getting ready to go to Okinawa, Japan, was I have not seen, neither have ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who, what? Love him. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. And I thank God tonight that by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm saved. And because of that cross, I now am able to walk in my purpose. What he created me to do. I want to sing a little bit of a song. You know this song. If you know this song, come on, sing with me. And this song just says, just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me. Now, wasn't, you can sing this song and say just for me, too. I understand that uh, it wasn't just for me. But when, it's, when, it's, when you get saved, it's a personal salvation. This is not the salvation of mama or dad or grandmama. It's a personal salvation. So I'll sing it. You can sing it with me and all of us can sing just for me. Amen. What does the cross of Jesus mean? It's more than songs we sing. Much more than an emblem on a chain. But it means I'm free, yeah. From the chains of slavery And the blood that shed Won't let my sins remain How many know that's true tonight? Amen Upon that cross My Savior died The Lamb was crucified Showed a love that this world has never known Oh, a love divine, so divine True a love you'll never find So that we might live Love came and died alone Yes, he did 
Well, the cross will always represent the love God has for me. When the Lord of glory, heaven sent, gave all on Calvary, he did it just for me, just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me. Well, the cross will always represent the love God has for me. When the Lord of glory heaven sent, gave all on Calvary, he did it just for me, me, just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me. Lift your hands and say it with me. Just for me. Just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me. Just for me. Just for me. Jesus came and did it just for me. Let's give Jesus glory for coming doing it for us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and doing it for us, God. We give you the glory tonight, Lord. Lord, we recognize tonight, God, that your plans and your purposes shall come to pass because of what you did on that cross 2,000 years ago. We can walk with purpose, and we give you glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know when you got saved, but I know when I got saved, I didn't even fully comprehend how how big a magnitude. I knew I was happy when God came into my life, but I didn't recognize how big, how magnanimous it was that God was in my life. And the course that he sent me on was like going from south to north, like going from west to east. It was a totally different direction. And when you get saved, God sets you on a course of, of purpose. Here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, we're talking tonight about purpose. Purpose means that there's a reason for your existence. Purpose requires a design of your existence. In other words, what I mean is when a, when a, uh, a, uh, uh, a manufacturer is going to produce some sort of knife, they want to know, is it a steak knife? Is it a butter knife? Is it a chopping knife? Is it a carving knife? Because depending upon what the purpose of the knife is, there will be a specific design to it. And so there is a purpose required 
uh, for uh, a design of existence. And then finally, there is a purpose. Your purpose concludes that there is a reality of your existence. In other words, we're not just coming up with a bunch of plans and a bunch of schemes and then nothing happens, but those things that God thought of before you were formed, uh, those things must be made a reality. And so there's a reality of existence. Purpose demonstrates that. But none of this happens without salvation. None of this happens salvation, without salvation. I remember when I got saved and I knew, all I knew was that I wanted to be in the military and uh, as the old folks used to say, make something out of yourself. Anybody ever told you that? You need to go make something out of yourself. <laughs> well, what does that actually mean? Because there's a lot of folks making something out of themselves. The guy on the corner selling dope is making something out of himself. The lady that's on the streets at night is making something out of herself, but that God has a purpose for my life, and that purpose can only be found through salvation. And he says here, we're saved by grace through faith. I would encourage you to commit that scripture to memory besides John 3.16, which every sinner knows. That was the first scripture that I memorized when I got saved. First scripture I memorized, we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. In other words, I couldn't do that myself. That was not something that I could accomplish on my own. That was not something that I could manufacture up myself, not of yourself. It is a gift from God. If you ever have to work for a gift, it ain't a gift. It's your salary. Wife, if that husband said, well, you ain't, you don't deserve a gift for your birthday, tell him, listen, a gift is a gift. It ain't something you work for. I could say it the other way, but we got kids in here tonight, so we're going to keep it rated PG. The basis of your salvation. Nothing else in this entire world demonstrates to man more that he has purpose than salvation. Nothing demonstrates more that you have have purpose than salvation because God did his he sent heaven's best for you he gave his very best for you Jesus Christ came and that's the best that heaven had to offer that's a demonstration that God has a purpose for your life he moved heaven and earth to have a relationship with you I don't know how much uh, you would spend for your dream home or your dream car. I was looking uh, at, uh, as we were uh, driving in, we visited, we're going through and visiting family down in Colleen, Texas, and visiting family uh, up here in Ennis, Texas, and driving through the Dallas area. Man, there are some beautiful homes here. And Pastor Blake says, you know what? The cost of living is cheaper here than it is in Phoenix. I said, man, you make me want to move to Dallas. You make me want to live here because you can get your dream home cheaper here. And a good church. <laughs> He's selling. Paul up here selling it tonight. What would you pay for your dream home? What would you pay for your dream car? I told my church in Phoenix, I said, if y'all ever want to buy me a car, 
Bobby that Mercedes Benz that's, that's shaped like that. Y'all seen that one? Boy, that thing nice. I, see, I said, I want that Mercedes Benz shaped like that. What would you pay for your dream car? How hard would you work for your dream girl, single folks? Married folks, you're already with your dream girl. You're already with your dream guy. That's why you married them. Ain't that right? They won your dream, you shouldn't have married them. It's like we say, uh, I, I work IT. We said we sell the dream and service the nightmare. <laughs> That's what a lot of people, listen, you can have a dream. And God is saying, listen, when you want to consider how valuable you are to me, consider what I did to get you. Consider what I did to get you. Salvation is a demonstration of your value to God. When you see what Jesus endured for you, then you know, wow, he must really want to have a relationship with me. He must really like me. I, we were talking to my wife's uh, mom other day, and my wife hadn't always been saved. I always talk about her because I got the mic. She hadn't always been saved. We was dating. I bought her a nice uh, little, well, a little bracelet thing, right? Or was it a necklace? It's a bracelet. And I bought her that bracelet, and she got mad and chunked it. Isn't that something? I love you. I like you. I care for you. I'm going to buy you something. Hey, I'm 16 here. Money don't grow on trees when you're 16. She chunked it. He said, what does that have to do with it, Pastor? It just came to my mind. How valuable she was to me. Apparently, I was not as valuable at the time. My value increased, though. Thank God. We'll spend a lot of money for our children. I was talking to somebody. Their children are in sports. He was telling me he spends on the average of about $10,000 a year on those sports. I said, I said, if I spend that much on one of my kids, they better do more just sit out there and just kind of kick the ball around. We got to be looking at the NBA, uh, NFL or something to spend that kind of money. Isn't that right? Can't just be for fun. You go out back and play for fun. $10,000. There must be some purpose here. Isn't that right? Because you're spending a lot of money. Somebody just got quickened in their spirit. I know, well, yeah, little Jimmy isn't that good. Why are we spending that much? But his, his boy was good. And so he spends a lot of money. Why? Because there's purpose here. You'll spend a lot for purpose. That's why you tithe to your local church. You say, you know what, this is valuable here. This is valuable to me. And so you are valuable to God. And so he demonstrated that with what he gave for you. He says here in Ephesians chapter 2 that you are his workmanship. When I think about that word workmanship, I think, I think about the time where I used to go to Korea and buy suits. Now you can go down to... Korea, you can go down to Os in Osan Air Base, they're 50 miles south of Seoul, and I can hook you up with Mr. Kim. And when you walk in Mr. Kim's shop, he's got little tapes, and when it's time for him to measure you for a suit, 
It ain't no quick five-minute thing. Mr. Kim's going to take time, and it's going to take about 45 minutes to get your measurements. But you going up north of the, almost on the border with North Korea, and uh, that guy, he, he, he take about two minutes to measure you. And he just want to see how tall you are and how wide you are. Once he get out tall and how wide, he going to whip up a suit, come back in about 45 minutes, it's done. Mr. Kim, you got to come back a week from now. Why? Because one is going to throw you a suit together and one is going to create something with workmanship. Let me tell you something. God didn't create you like a cheap suit. To just throw on the world and kind of just kind of drag around on the world. No, he created you with workmanship. Some of you, you feel like, man, it don't seem like I can do, like I can do anything right. That's, be, that's because God is tailoring and God is clipping and God is stitching and God is putting things together. And it feels like, man, it seems like everything is all going on in my life. We see white lines everywhere. Everything is getting put together and God is just knitting it together. He's making that thing. But when he gets done with it, it ain't going to be like that old suit up on the border that's just kind of hanging on you. That thing going to be nice. That thing is going to be tailor-made. It's going to be workmanship. If you look at that word workmanship, that word actually comes from a word that means fabric, to fabricate, because God is working the details out in our lives. We are no cheap suits. He did not just throw us together. We were fabricated and formed and intricately designed for not the world's work, but for God's work. We were designed for God's work. Jeremiah 1 and 5, he says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Isn't that an amazing thing? God says, before you were formed, he knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah had the call of God on his life before he left the womb. Can I tell you tonight that you had the call of God on your life before you left the womb? Now, what happens is when we come out of the womb, life happens. We make decisions. Decisions are thrust upon us. And oftentimes, we get off track for the will of God. That's why I bring my children to church because I don't want them to get off the path that God has for them. He has a path. I want to keep them on that path. That's why we come to church. That's why you bring your children to church. That's why we lift our hands in worship. That's why we glorify God. All of that is needlework. All of that is stitching and fine etching where God is putting it all together. And our tendency, it tends, we tend to sometimes, I don't know about you, but I tend to feel insufficient. Like, man, how can I do all this? How can I be uh, 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 useful in the kingdom? What do I have to offer? Or we can get real, real and say, you know what? I'm just tired. How many, how many in here tired tonight? Nobody tired? Well, you need to talk to the folks in Phoenix. They all tired. They be slamming them energy drinks. Y'all drink energy drinks? No? We got a couple that slam the energy drink. Man, I'll tell you, they be slamming them. 
They used to drink beer, now they drink energy drinks. Just four or five of them. Just bah, 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 bah. Nobody picking no cotton. Nobody's, you know, puck wood. Nobody, you know, I'm from Alabama. You know, nobody had to, to walk five miles to school one way, but we're tired. <laughs> we tend to feel insufficient in the things that we need to do. I'm too tired. I've got too much going on. I don't have enough education. I didn't get trained enough. But listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's what makes us sufficient. When we work with him, when we uh, labor with him, when I came into uh, church, and I begin to listen to the messages and I begin to listen to the Bible studies. And I went home and got married and, and, and uh, we had we we're having a baby. I said, you know what? I don't want to just do this thing the best I know how. I want to do it the way God has designed it. Because if I do it the way God has designed it, it'll come out the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because I was produced with purpose. It's hard to, to cut the, uh, the uh, Thanksgiving turkey with a butter knife. Isn't that right? It's hard to do that. Now you can take one of them meat cleavers to it like the butchers do and just kind of yop down on it and splatter everybody at the Thanksgiving table, but that meat cleaver wasn't designed for that. And so sometimes when you're trying to do stuff that you're not designed for, you cause problems. Last time I was here, I talked to you about when I got out the military. I could have stayed in the military, but it would have caused a lot of problems. I might have even been successful. I think I would have been very successful if I stayed in the military, but it would have caused a lot of problems. You got to stay in the will of God. When you stay in the will of God, it won't cause problems. Now, you'll have troubles. But there's a big difference between the problems and the trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. We got on the road. We were coming up this way. I think that's 35 West, 35 W over there. I thought odd number interstates were north and south, but apparently 35 is east and west. That right? No? It's north and south? Well, what's 35 E and 35 W? Huh? Well, it's confusing here in Texas. <laughs> we were heading up here. We were on the path that we were supposed to be on. But guess what? There was a traffic jam. It seems to be you all have a lot of construction going on here in Dallas. And so even though I was on the path that I was supposed to be on, there was trouble. I could have said, I don't like the fact that all this trouble on 35 northwest or east whatever I'm on I'm just going to get off and I'm going to drive through folks yards and carry on to get to where I'm supposed to go now you can do that at least for a little while till the police get you but it, I want you to understand something tonight there's a big difference between waiting in the traffic because there's a traffic jam and riding through folks yards 
you may be going faster driving through folks' yards than you are waiting in that traffic jam, but you're going to have some problems. You're gonna, you can serve God, and when you serve God, in sometimes there are going to be traffic jams. Sometimes when you're serving God, God's going to be doing some construction, and he may cause you a few delays from time to time. But don't ever think for one moment, if only I step out of the will of God and do it my own way and I can go faster then. Don't think for one moment you're going to be successful there because then when you step out of the will of God, you're going to have some problems. What's the moral of the story? So easy somebody from Alabama can get it. Stay on God's path. You're going to have trouble. Stay on his path. You're going to have setbacks. Stay on, his, stay on his path. He says that you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You were created. That word is what they call past tense. Thank a teacher for that. Past tense. That means you were created for good works which the Father had before ordained. In other words, you're not riding along 35 Northwest and the road is just being created in front of you as you ride along. Isn't that right? I know they're trying to, they're trying to make our kids think, you know, you just do what you want to do and it's a virtual reality. No, you, the road is already created. The path has already been laid out before you. You ain't riding along and God's trying to figure out and keep up with, oh, oh, Gabriel, they just took a right. What was, no, God knows. What did Job say? He knows the path that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Why does he know the path that I take? Because he laid it out. He laid it out. And he lays out your path before you. And when you get there, the road is already laid out. Created unto Christ, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There's a word. Sometimes we're afraid to use it because the Calvinists have hijacked it. It's called predestination. They think that there's nothing you can do. You're going to just automatically do the will of God. That ain't no more true than somebody just saying, you know what, when I leave out of here, I'm going to be on 45, I-45, no matter what I do. I'm going to end up on I-45. Next thing you know, you're on 20, headed to Wichita Falls, some 287, headed to Wichita Falls. You ain't automatically going to be on 45. You won't automatically just be in the will of God. You got to know where you're going. Who was that? They said, they said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so I see God, I see him as the grand GPS. He is the one that says, turn left, turn right out of here and get on what we got here, 380, 377. I go from 377 and then I get on 35. And then when I'm on 35, depending on if I'm going W or E, 
I roll on down through Dallas, and then eventually I pick up 45. Isn't that right? But if I had, if I had on, on 377 and go north and then take 380 and then head that 35 north, no 45 to be found. God has predestined you. And he said, go that way. Go that way. And when he says go that way, don't, don't say, well, I, I remember such and such and uh, I'm going to go that way. Don't say that. Don't say, well, I, I, uh, Sunset told me they went that way that one time, and no, don't say that. What, what scriptural basis do I have for this simple example? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? That means when I'm coming to this church tonight, I take a look at that GPS. I take a look and see what it say. In all your ways, check with God. And he will do what? Direct your path. Be not wise in your own eye. Oh, I've been to Pastor Blake Church before. I know how to get there. Oh, I know, I know how to be a good father. I seen, I know what a father's supposed to be. And he ain't, ain't looked in the book and ain't looking at no godly examples. I know, I know how to run my money and them folks finna come get that pretty car. Nobody gonna tell me about how to raise my kids and kids just running around just crazy. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. and He will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Your path has been prepared before you were created. And God's going to use every situation on that path to glorify his name. Every traffic jam. I tell you what, my wife, she, she know how to, anytime something holds us up on the road, she like to say this, and I'm like, whoa, really? Who knows what the Lord saved us from? <laughs> she love to say that. Who knows what the Lord saved us from? I'm like, I need, we're trying to get the Denny's here. What? <laughs> you talking about waiting? Lord saved us yeah uh, maybe the rush at Denny's who know what the Lord saved us from I tell you something God will use every situation in your life for his glory maybe that that delay is just something that teach you patience you have need of patience why so that after you've done the will of God you might receive the promise you need that and so God uses that traffic jam in your life that delay in your life. You looking for a job. Don't seem like nothing opened up. He uses that for his glory because he's teaching you that he's in charge. He's in control. He knows how to do it better than you do. I remember, man, I didn't engage God so many ultimatums. Well, God, if you don't have him by the end, then you know. I can just see God in heaven just fold his arm like this. He just let that timeline go right on by. Why? Because he reminded me I'm in charge. And so you know what I've learned to do? I'm learning to do. I'm learning to do what them old ladies used to sing when I was a little boy. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. 
I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. That's what I'm learning. That's what I'm learning. And what you do, you know what you'll do in those times like that if you'll sing a song. I know it's hard to sing a song in a traffic jam. <laughs> it's even harder to sing a song in the traffic jams of life. Hard to sing a song when the storms are raging. Even harder to sing a song when the storms of life are raging. But you can sing a song unto the Lord and in those times. God will comfort you. He says we were created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I want to close with that tonight. Don't ever want to forget that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the key that unlocks the door. That's the key that unlocks the door to the will of God for our lives. The purpose that he's put us on is being in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. Old things are passed away. That old back road you used to ride has passed away. Behold, all things have become 35 nor. All things have become new when you're in Christ. And I want to encourage you tonight. I tell you what, this church has good testimony throughout our fellowship. BWO Phoenix looks up to you as the model, as the model for what we should be doing. Uh, the only reason I'm preaching tonight is because Pastor Blake told me if I preach, he'd give me one of y'all nice pens. That's it, right there. I said, I'll preach for pens. But I walk around and I saw, I see the men of God. I see the excellence that's in this place. Some of y'all stories, I know your stories. Some of y'all used to, used to uh, get down in this building. I was telling somebody about that today. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't name no names. But I said, you know what? We're over here. They're down there in uh, the building. Used to be a club. And not, the folks that used to service the club are now servicing the Lord in there. That's beautiful. It's a terrible thing to be on the right road going the wrong direction. You're in the right place doing the wrong thing. But now we're in Christ Jesus. And when we're in Christ Jesus, all things have become new. I tell you what, you'll be on the road. You may, you may have been on that road a thousand times. You look out across that thing and life just looked different. When you're in Christ Jesus, you can be going through the same things. And the one thing that would have put somebody on, on all kind of psychotropic drugs and had them through with life, you making it. You going forward in God. Why? Because you are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ, you'll find why he created you. Paul said, not, that, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after if I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He says, if that I might find out 
what he had on his mind when he created me. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. He says, I'm getting on the right road here. And I'm going to do the will of God. You are produced with purpose. And we're just going to pray for you tonight. Many of you are already on that road. Sometimes the road get traffic jammed. It get rain, struggle, whatever you are. You may be on that road and you may be wide open. I love the 80 miles an hour here in Texas. I love it. And you can be on that road. You're going for God. Doesn't matter if you're at a standstill or you're 100 miles an hour. Sometimes you have to be still and know that I am God. Other times you may run and not get weary. Sometimes you'll walk and not faint. But when you're on the right road with God, he's going to cause you to meet that very reason that he created you. Can we bow our heads in this place tonight?